Part One, Chapter Four of Our Own Set by Ossip Shubin, translated by Clara Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Four. A few days after the evening when Sempali had given such brilliant proof of his talent as caricaturist, General von Klinger was sitting in his studio on a divan covered with a picturesque Persian rug and endeavouring having for the moment nothing better to do to teach his parrot to sing the austrian anthem a loyal task which the bird perched on the top of its cage persistently refused to learn it was a gorgeous studio with a coved ceiling painted in fresco and a rococo plaster cornice the walls hung with old tapestry eastern stuffs and other properties it was so large that men looked like dwarfs in it and the general's works of art like illustrations cut out from a picture-book this girocco brooded in the atmosphere and the general was out of sorts he could not get on with his painting and though it was now a quarter to five not a visitor had he seen usually by this hour he had a number nay sometimes too many the general often grumbled to himself of course at the interruption but he always enjoyed the little dissipation it made him melancholy to be left to himself he was thinking just now how difficult it was to get on as a painter his colouring was capital so all his artist friends assured him but that his drawing left much to be desired he himself confessed his two strong points were a harmonious effect of grey tone and horses seen from behind all his pictures returned to him from the exhibitions unsold excepting one which was purchased by the emperor in consideration of the general's former merits as a soldier rather than of his talents as an artist the painters who came to smoke his cigarettes accounted for this by saying that his artistic aims were too independent that he made no concessions to public taste and so could not hope for popularity he was in the very act of whistling the national anthem for the sixteenth time to the recalcitrant bird when he heard a knock at the door he rose to open it and sempali came in he had called to inform the general that he had discovered a very fine though much damaged piece of tapestry in a convent and had bought it for a mere song he had in fact purchased it for the general because he knew that it was just such a specimen as he had long wished for but if you do not care to take it i shall be very glad to keep it he added no one had the art of doing an obliging thing with a better grace than he it was one of his little accomplishments when they had settled their business Simply broke into loud lamentations that he was obliged to dine that day at the british embassy and then to dance at the french ambassadors and raved about the ideal life led by his friend he only wished he could lead such a life in which there were no evening parties routs balls or dinners next he wandered round the room looking at all the studies that hid their faces against the wall 
charming superb he kept exclaiming in french with his austrian accent from a sheer impulse to say something pleasant he always tried to make himself pleasant why do you not work that thing up he said at length pointing to a sketch on canvas of a group of bashi bazooks it might sell replied the artist whose great difficulty always lay in the working up but you know i am independent in my aims i set my face against making concessions to the vulgar i must work on my own principles and not ponder to the public sempali smiled at this profession of faith as it is a mere whim with you to ever sell at all he answered my advice is that you should never attempt it but leave all your works to the nation so that we may have a musee viets at vienna the general assured him that he was quite in earnest in his desire to sell his pictures but simply smiled knowingly there was once upon a time he began a cobbler who was a man of genius but he prided himself on his sense of beauty and his artistic convictions and he heeded not the requirements of his customers he would make nothing but greek sandals he died a beggar but happy in the consciousness of never having made a concession to the vulgar the general was on the point of making an indignant reply to this malicious anecdote when the loud rap was again heard which seems to be traditional at a studio door it is supposed to be necessary to arouse the artist from his absorption in his work the general went to admit his visitor there was a small ante-room between the studio and the stairs the door was no sooner opened than in flitted a slender creature fair and blooming tall slim and bewitchingly pretty in a dark dress and a sealskin jacket what you zinka cried the old general delightedly this is a surprise how long have you been in rome only since this morning answered a gay voice and are you alone asked the artist in astonishment as zinka shut the door and went forward into the atelier yes quite alone she said calmly i left the maid at home she and mamma are fast asleep resting after their journey i came alone in a carriage it was very nice of me do you not think why what a face to make and why have you not given me a kiss uncle klinger she stood before him bright and confident her head a little thrown back her hands in a tiny muff gazing at him with surprise in her frank grey eyes my dear zinka the general began for like all conscientious old gentlemen with romantic memories he was desperately punctilious as to the proprieties when any lady in whom he took an interest was implicated i am charmed delighted to see you but in a strange place where you know no one and in a strange house where oh now i understand cried the girl it is not proper i shall live to be a hundred before i know exactly what is proper it is very odd but uncle sterzl used always to say that it was of no use to worry about it that if people were ladies and gentlemen everything was proper and if they were not why it was all the same 
but he did not know what he was talking about it would seem and she turned sharply on her heel and made for the door but my dear zinka cried the general holding her back tell me at least where you are living before you whisk off like a whirlwind do not be so utterly unreasonable i am perfectly reasonable she retorted she was both embarrassed and angry her cheeks were scarlet and her eyes full of tears it would never have occurred to me certainly that there was anything improper in calling on an old gentleman and she emphasized the words quite viciously in his studio oh the vanity of men who can foresee its limits but i am perfectly reasonable i acknowledge my mistake simpleton that i am and i have been looking forward all day to taking you by surprise i meant to ask you to dine with us at the hotel de l'europe and to come with me first to the pincio to see the sunset and these are the thanks i get do not trouble yourself to get your hat it is a waste of trouble i do not want you now good-bye and she flew off her head in the air without looking back once at the general who dutifully escorted her to the carriage the old man came back much crestfallen a voice greeted him cheerfully quite in disgrace general it was sempali who had witnessed the whole scene from a recess and whom the general had entirely forgotten so it seems said he shortly beginning to scrape his palette but tell me who is this despotic little princess who my goddaughter zinka sterzel thunderbolts are out of date no one believes in them nowadays nevertheless it is a fact which sempali himself never contradicted that he fell in love with zinka at first sight and when a few days after zinka's eruption into the general's studio the old gentleman accepted an invitation to dine with the baroness sterzel at the hotel de l'europe on entering the room he found eagerly employed in looking over a quantity of photographs with the young lady count sempali the two gentlemen were the only guests and yet or perhaps in consequence the little party was as gay and pleasant as was possible with so affected and formal a hostess as the baroness this lady a narrow and perverse soul as ever lived was the very essence of vanity and affectation she imagined heaven alone knows on what grounds that the general had formerly loved her hopelessly and she always treated him accordingly with a consideration that was intolerably irritating she had made great strides in the airs of refinement since she and the general had last met at a time before she or rather her children had become rich through an advantageous sale of part of their land and this of course added to the charms of her society she was perpetually complaining in a tone of feeble elegance the sleeping carriages were intolerable the seats were so badly stuffed rome was so dirty the hotels were so bad the conveyances so miserable she brought in the names of all the aristocratic acquaintances they had made at nice at meran and at biarritz and asked the next day being a saint's day 
which church was fit to go to the vehement old general answered hotly that god was in them all but sempali informed her with the politest gravity that cardinal x read mass in the morning at st peter's and that the music was splendid i advise you to try st peter's indeed is st peter's possible on a saint's day she asked the company is usually so mixed in those large churches the general fairly blushed for her follies on her children's account have you forgiven me zinka he said to change the conversation as if i had time to trouble myself about your straight-laced proprieties exclaimed she colouring slightly she evidently did not like this allusion to her little indiscretion i have something much worse to think about why what is the matter sweetheart asked her brother who took everything seriously i have lost something she said in a tone of deep melancholy which evidently covered some jest not a four-leafed shamrock or a medal blessed by the pope asked the general oh no something much more important your purse exclaimed the baroness hastily but zinka burst out laughing no no something much greater you will never guess rome on which sterzl who could never make out what his fascinating little sister would be at only said that is beyond me but sempali was sympathetic i see you are terribly disappointed he said and zinka went on like a person accustomed to be listened to yes ever since i could think at all i have dreamt of rome and longed to see it my rome was a suburb of heaven but this rome is a suburb of paris my rome was glorious and this rome is simply hideous do not be flippant zinka said the general who always upheld traditional worship well as a city rome is really very ugly interposed her brother it is more interesting as a museum of antiquities with life-size illustrations still you do not know it yet you have seen nothing as yet but lodgings you mean retorted zinka casting down her eyes with sanctimonious sauciness it is dreadful the baroness began we have been here five days and cannot find an apartment fit to live in wherever we go there is some drawback the stairs are too dark or the entrance is bad or there is only one door to the salon or the servants rooms but my dear zinka interrupted the general if you really have seen nothing of rome excepting the lodgings in the corso of course oh but i have seen something else cried zinka indeed i know my way around rome very well in your dreams no i went yesterday mamma had a sick headache oh those headaches sighed the baroness putting her salts to her nose i am a perfect martyr to them to have sick headaches and to be a strict catholic were marks of good style in the baroness's estimation sempali put on a sympathetic expression but returned at once to the subject on hand yes i know rome very well zinka went on 
you have only to ask the driver of the street cab number twelve o three and he will tell you i drove about with him for three hours yesterday you see to have been in rome a whole week and to have seen nothing but furnished lodgings was really too bad so i took advantage of the opportunity when mamma was in bed i slipped out oh, you need not make that face uncle i took the maid with me we went to walk everywhere with the map of course we lost our way cela va sans dire and as we were standing helpless each holding the map by a corner a driver signed to us so with the first finger in we got and he asked us where we wished to go but as i had no answer ready he said with the most paternal air ah the signora wants to see rome good i will show her rome and he set off round and round and in and out all through the city i was positively giddy with this waltz around all the sights of rome he showed me a perfect forest of fallen pillars with images of gods and fragments of sculpture carefully heaped around them like christmas boxes for lovers of antiquities the campo vaccino he called it i believe it was the forum then he pointed out the palace of beatrice cenci the jews quarter the theatre of marcellus the temple of vesta and every time he showed me anything he added now am i not a capital guide many a driver would only take you from place to place and what would you see nothing a heap of stones but i tell you that is the Colosseum, and this is the portico of octavia and then the stones have some meaning and at last he set me down at the door of the hotel and said quite seriously now the signora has seen rome they were now at dessert the baroness looked anything rather than pleased allow me to request she said that for the future in the first place you will not make friends with a common driver and in the second that you will not drive about rome in a botta a one-horse carriage it is not at all the thing you have no sense of fitness whatever zinka who was both sensitive and spoiled coloured let her be mother why should she not learn a little italian and write in a botta said sterzl who rubbed his mother the wrong way from morning till night sempali took prompt advantage of the situation to whisper to zinka i cannot promise to be as good company as your botta driver but if you will allow me i will do my best to help you find the rome you have lost are you sure you know your way about asked the girl with frank incivility i am the laquais de place of the embassy i assure you replied simply laughing my only serious occupation consists in showing strangers the sights of rome after this the evening passed gaily the baroness made a few idiotic speeches but simply forbore to be ironical he was on his very best behaviour and the baroness was quite taken in by his elaborate reserve not so sterzl who was himself too painfully alive to her aristocratic airs and pretensions however the society of his sister whom he adored had put him into the best of humours he launched forth a few bitter epigrams against the priesthood and was satirical about the society of rome 
but zinka stopped him every time with some engaging nonsense and in listening to her chatter he forgot his bitterness at last he asked her to sing a moravian popular song she seated herself at the hotel piano and began there was something mystical in the low veiled tones of her voice like an echo of the past as she sang the melancholy dreamy strains of her native land sterzl who always yawned all through an opera listened to her singing his head resting on his hand in a sort of ecstasy in sempali too who in spite of his hungarian name was by birth a moravian sinka's simple melody roused the half-choked echoes of his youth and when she ceased he thanked her with genuine feeling zinka's was an april weather nature after bringing the tears into the eyes of her hearers nay into her own with her song she suddenly struck up an air by lecoq that she had heard judith sing at nice the words as was perfectly evident to all of the party were hebrew to the girl but the baroness was beside herself zinka she exclaimed in extreme consternation you really are incredible what must these gentlemen think of you do not be in the least uneasy said the general but zinka stopped short her face was pale and quivering sterzl interposed it is often a little difficult to follow my sister's vagaries he said turning to sempali then he tenderly stroked her golden head with his large firm hand saying do not be unhappy sweetheart but you are a little too much of a goose for your age when presently sempali had quitted the hotel with the general his first words were tell me how is it that with such a fool of a mother that child has remained so angelically fresh so botticelli End of chapter 4